Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Step, and that basically starts with knowing God, finding freedom, discovering your purpose and making a difference. And throughout the year, we're going to discuss some of those subjects. Uh, just on Monday night, I was with uh, our growth track with Tim and Helen and the guys there talking about finding freedom. And today we've got a panel that's going to be geared around talking around finding freedom, but from a fatherhood perspective. Is that okay? Let's just have a look at this verse in John 8. If we've got the media, that'd be cool. It says this, Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And uh, these words of Jesus ring true even today, because we all know that there are areas of our lives where we aren't free. And what I believe is this, that the power of God helps us to get free from sin. He sets us free, but accountability and relationship keeps us out of it. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning from a fatherhood perspective. So let's welcome our panel. We've got Phil Pye coming. We've got Tim Bailey and Kev Albi. So let's give them a round of applause as they come. Great. Phil, I'll just get you this mic here. Okay. How are we doing, guys? We're good, thank you. We okay? Great. Good, good. So I'll introduce everyone just for the sake of time. We all know Phil Pye, our teaching pastor here. Arena, who's happy to have Phil with yeah. us? We've got Kev Albis, who is one of our worship pastors and our youth leader. And then we've got Tim Bailey, who's leading our growth track and some other stuff as well. Yeah. So we are limited on time, so I want to use this time wisely and really get to the theological questions first. So who's going to win the World Cup, guys? (laughs) Tim? Uh, Well, that's a good question. Um, I saw Spain play on Friday, and I thought they looked really tasty in their football. Um, they're a bit suspect at the back, but I think I still need to hit Brazil. Mm-hmm. But you never can back against the Germans either, so I've got three there. So you know? literally, you've just given us three. Okay. I'm asking for I'm going one. Brazil. Brazil. Brazil, okay, Brazil. Brazil. Um, well, I mean, I don't really follow football as much as I used to, and, uh, I, and I'm not English, but, uh, but football's coming home yeah. this year, guys. <laughs> football's coming home this exactly. year, guys. yes. <laughs> Yes. Anyone else believe that football's coming home? My hands up. There's a few. There's a few. Okay, yes. I like that. Phil? Yeah, pains me to say it. France. Okay. Okay, France. Wow. 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 I love it, mate. So so we've got got four guys here on the stage. We we honour our men in our church, but, you know, we also honour our ladies as well. And I loved it yesterday. We were in a leadership setting, probably 60 leaders here in our leadership track. And uh, Martin Gribby, if he's in the room, he might be downstairs on car park. He just said, hey, can we just honour the women in our house? Because they just served us so well. So, hey, we're not just about men. We're not just about women. But this morning, we're going to choose to honour our fathers and the men in our house. Um, 
I just want to read this, uh, this verse from Corinthians 4, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 14, about fatherhood. And Paul says this. It's in the message version. He says, I'm not writing to you as a neighborhood scold just to make you feel rotten. I'm writing as a father to you, my children. I love you and want you to grow up well, not spoiled. There are a lot of people around who can't wait to tell you what you've been doing wrong. But there aren't many fathers willing to take the time and effort to help you grow up. It was as Jesus helped me proclaim God's message to you that I became your father. I'm not, you know, asking you to do anything I'm not already doing myself. So this morning we're going to be speaking about fatherhood. And who knows on social media and on Twitter, Instagram, there's a lot of people telling people what they're doing wrong, isn't there? But there's not many people willing to take the time to come alongside as a father and help people in their lives and help people move forward. And we know today that you may not be a, um, a natural father. You may not have, have children. For example, Kev at the moment doesn't have any children. But as his, um, his role in, in Universal... Let me tell you, he's a father to some of those True. guys. True. And uh, you can be a father, not just to the, your natural kids, but also to those around. And we've got men here, and Phil especially, who's a father to many. So um, it's, it's Father's Day, like we've said. But guys, I'd just like us to talk maybe just about how your fathers have impacted you, or, or maybe even spiritual fathers. So, Phil, I'll, I'll throw it over to you to start off with. Yeah, uh, well, briefly, I mean, my, uh, my earthly father's no longer on the earth, um, uh, he was born the same year as the Queen, 1926. Um, and uh, if I could sum up my dad, he never had a car, he never had a driving licence, he never went on a plane, he never had a passport. He raised seven kids along with my mum. If I could sum up my dad in one word, it would be selflessness. He, he was, he's probably the most selfless man I've ever met. And um, great work ethic uh, that's gone down the, the... So he worked at the... Um, General Hospital at Nottingham for years as a porter and at 60 they made him redundant because those of you that know Nottingham will know they're not the building down uh, and he went to go on another job as a night porter at a hotel and uh, Simon Mengus brother used to say when I used to pull the curtains back in the morning getting ready for work my dad was just coming in so uh, very fond memories of my dad um, he was ahead of his time because um, he worked in the catering corps when they did national service you've got to be as old as me to understand what national service is but <laughs> Um, so, Guy's in the kitchen now, but my dad was always in the kitchen. It was his natural habitat and, um, and produced some great food. Um, so, fond memories of that. And then I thank God for spiritual fathers. Um, so, Tony Brown, who um, was my youth leader uh, in a Pentecostal church in Nottingham. I mean, Sundays were very different. You know, we do Sunday morning, we do Sunday afternoon, we do the open air, we do the old people's house, we do the gospel service, do the after meeting. And then we go around to his house. And I think he had these pesky teenagers coming around to his house till quarter past ten on a Sunday night. But him and Margaret were mums and dads to us, you know, and uh, set us up. Amazing. Great. Tim, just tell Great. us about, I guess, your experience with your dad. Yeah, dad, so my, my dad, um, uh, he predominantly as a younger kid was into his football, really good football, and had an opportunity to, to even make it in a, on a professional level. But at the same time, he was into his music. Um, and we're all from Northern Ireland originally, and, and the big bands like the Beatles and that sort of thing, they, they didn't go across 
the water there. Um, so they had what they called show bands. And he was into that, playing, you know, and he was into the shadows. That was his thing, you know, the, with Hank Marvin and all those, those sort of guys. So that kind of distracted him from his football, which uh, we used to give him a hard time about because we were like, oh, man, you should have been, because we're all into our football as well. You know, we could have been, you know, you could have been and all this, you know, the sort of things you start to think about. But what, what, was, what became later in life, which was more prominent in his life, which was, was God. And that really, he really took a hold of dad's life in terms of he, he really felt a desire and, and had a gift for teaching. And, and his life was based around Bible teaching. So uh, we ended up in, in, in a Bible school, and uh, Phil, Phil will know this, you know, it was, was in his office all the time engrossed in what he'd say in the scriptures and I need to get into the word and, and all he, he didn't speak like that but I like to think he did but, I'm going to say yeah. was your dad there Wolverine yeah. <laughs> he was husky <laughs> that's where I get it from <laughs> but but we, we were influenced that as, as kids really is that he, he he raised us according to the scriptures yeah. now according to the scriptures it, it does say not to spare the rod so when it came to the discipline, whoa, we felt discipline. My kids, I mean, I tell them all the time, you guys do not know what discipline was like. It was discipline. But we learned lessons. So, yeah, I, I, I was raised and I was, when I say it, and I think about it now, when I was a kid, I wasn't so much. But now I feel privileged yeah. to have been raised in a, in a Christian home that was, was set on the foundation of what the, the Bible said. So Amazing, amazing. Now, we, we know that in the Bible, God's referred to as our, our Heavenly Father, and the thing with that is that some people's version of their earthly fa- uh, father or experience with their earthly father is not always great, and we know that. Um, Kev's story is probably different to the three of us here in, in terms of um, his father and his relationship with his earthly father. So, Kev, just tell us a little bit um, about that. Yeah, um, like I said, I, I mean, I grew up in the Philippines, um, you know, the culture. So I grew up in the 90s, and obviously back in those days... You know, mum and dad separating was really uh, not the norm, you know, growing up in school, um, kind of like not really having a dad there to attend your parent-teacher, sort of like meetings. It's a bit like awkward and I miss a lot of those things because I just, I just didn't want to turn up without, you know, anyone with me, you know, because it was obviously uh, a painful experience. But I mean, um, you know, my granddad was there um, to raise me up because uh, my mum had to work away so that basically I could go to school and you know and thank goodness my, my granddad who loves Jesus took on the role as, uh, as my father figure right. you know he wasn't a perfect dad let me, let me put it this way you know but he just he just made me feel secure yeah. you know mm. and uh, that and the fact that he used to work for the military under the dictator <laughs> that helps a lot <laughs> I mean, you know, walking through his cabins and I saw his uh, machine gun thinking, I better start listening to this guy. And I talk about discipline too. I think, let me tell you, he didn't need, he didn't need to. I mean, <laughs> he didn't need to. But, uh, but, I, but, but that's the thing, you know, and I laugh about that, but I am so thankful that he, he instilled that in me. You know, that I am, I respect authority, that I honour people, you know, those above me. Because those are the things that I think more and more has become distorted in our, you know, in the society that we live in, you know. Um, that actually 
people refuse to acknowledge authority. But I think that was something that I'm forever grateful uh, for my granddad. That's his legacy in me, you know, so. Yeah, great. Did, um, did your experience, obviously, as a kid ever, you know, when we speak about God being a heavenly father and, you know, it talks about Abba Father, Jesus says yeah. Abba Father, you know, Daddy, yeah. that sort of language. Um, did that, was that ever a stumbling block for you in coming to, to God the Father as Daddy? Yeah, I, th- I think, obviously, as a kid, you're trying to figure things out and you think, you know, is it because of something I've done, you know? Because when your mum and dad split up, they don't, well, <laughs> I don't think you understand why they split up, but you, you start for, to looking for answers somewhere else, you know, but... I just remember, um, I don't know where it was, but I remember it was in a service somewhere. And, and I just kind of like made a decision myself. And this is, again, you know, God's hand being on my life. That, um, you know, I just said, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm going to make a decision that I'm refusing to let what my past dictate what I could be in the future. Yeah. Right. You know, what I lacked in the past doesn't have to be lacking in the future. Yeah, that's good. You know, and, and there's a verse in Romans, I think it's 8.38 somewhere, that, you know, God uses all things to work together for our good. And then, when, you know, when, when we say verses like that, it's like it's easy to get, to get pumped up. But actually, when he says all things, it's like the ugly, the, you know, the yeah. bad, yeah. the indifferent, like the stuff where you, you don't really want to share it to people. Yeah, you know, the hurt, like yeah. people that you're insecure about. Actually, if you let God use it, he can use it to, yeah. for your benefit. And that's the thing, and, and, and you know, for me, I think having a, a granddad who loves Jesus helped me understand and accept God a lot easier, yeah. because I didn't, I didn't come to God angrily. I just knew that what, what happened with my mom and dad is so separate to what God is and who he is. Yes. Mm. Yeah. yeah, good. good. Yeah, that's, um, that's amazing advice, and, and if that's your journey today... Don't let that stop you coming to God as daddy. I, um, I read a book called Fresh Air a few years ago. And I'd never, you know, I'd always known God as my heavenly father. But uh, Chris Hodges, who's the, the pastor of a church over um, in America, says he, he talked about this whole thing of daddy and unpacked the thought of daddy. And it just changed. It just added another element to my relationship with God, just coming to him as daddy. Yeah. You know, just coming into his arms and running into his arms. And, you know, that's not always the easiest thing as a man, no. um, to actually put yourself in that place. But we're called to do that with our Heavenly Father. So, I guess on the back of that, as men, a lot of times, I think, you know, the ladies are a, a bit better at sharing and talking and, and doing all that stuff. I think as men at times, we we try and handle it on our own. We, we probably don't open up as easily. And we know that in arena we find freedom in groups. Um, guys, I'd just like to talk about where you have found freedom in groups, what sort of groups, what they've looked like, what those relationships have been like, and how that's helped you to, to maybe find freedom in areas of your life. So, uh, Phil, I'll just throw that over to you. Yeah, I, I'm, uh, I mean, the group journey at arena is... Um a little different for me because obviously we, we, we've uh, we've been away for 18 months and uh, so I've been talking to Christian and watching the development of um, of small groups and uh, and uh, so thrilled to find so many people uh, finding connection with that uh, and of course it'll it'll be ongoing and uh, th- th- there's maybe a few areas where I can contribute to that going forward but th- there's no doubt that um, uh, 
there's times when uh, conversation, inner conversations um, outside of what we'd call a church gathering are helpful. And, uh, and I think, I mean, I think in terms of uh, vulnerability, it's like in ministry, um, you, you can't fake vulnerability and often it comes, it does come out of a journey. Um, but the reality is that Arena Church uh, don't want me to be overly vulnerable every time I preach because you'll, you'll be freaked out, you know. Um, so I think it's the same in groups. I think there's some times where you've got to sense the vulnerability, maybe opening up over a mistake or regret. Uh, sometimes you've just got to suck it up and be resilient, you know, mm. and yeah. uh, see it through. Because uh, I think part of the issue nowadays, and, you know, in terms of how people communicate, is that they're forever vulnerable. Um, and uh, dads, we do have to be strong. You know, we do have to be rock-like. We do have to uh, be secure at times. So I think you've got to choose your moments. You've got to do it with people that won't blab that all over the earth on their Twitter feed. Um, and uh, you've got to know that you can trust people. But you've got to find those moments, and they're very, very precious. And they, they help the journey of, um, of finding freedom. Uh, just one thing, picking up on Kev... Uh, uh, Josh was just talking to us during the week about today and so I'm just thinking about the whole thing of finding freedom I just encourage uh, because we're in the particular context of fathering today to uh, pick up on that find initially finding freedom from past experience that's either uh, that's either an experience of a poor father example um, or we may have dads here today that feel that you've got it very very wrong there's always another day. There's always healing. There's always yeah. restoration. Yeah. There's always forgiveness. Yeah. Uh, there's always something new for you to walk into. So I think that statement that Kev made is very, very powerful. That, you know, don't let your future be determined by your past. And in mm. the whole area of fathering, mm. so often it happens. And in a context of a small group, get free. Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. great. Yeah. Um, I guess, Tim, coming, coming across to you. I guess just tell us a bit about some of your experiencing groups. I know you've been a part of football teams and all that sort of stuff and yeah. obviously been a part of church and groups in church. Just tell us a little bit about your experiencing groups. I guess when you, when you play sports on any level, really, the, although there's a, a camaraderie, if you like, within the team, there's a team spirit and you all get on and there's banter and the usual stuff, you, you very rarely get onto a level of, of the deep stuff of where you need to, maybe you need stuff you need to deal with or even with relationships with people. You very rarely get that. And I think what you need to do, and as guys, we're, we're quite, you know, we, we think we're macho, you know, we think, we've, we think we're all like tough guys and stuff, but there is, there is an emotional side to us as well, you know. And, and I think you need to build people around you, like um, getting um, folk that you trust. Uh, Phil just alluded to that slightly there earlier, where, where you get people where you can... You can, you can Feel confident with them. You, can, you know that they're going to give you an honest answer. They're not going to tell you what you want to hear. They're going to tell you what you need to hear. And I think that's very important, particularly as a Christian, and even as a dad myself, you know, having that input from people who are prepared to, to, to maybe upset me. You know? And I think that's important in, in fighting freedom in groups. But those groups need to be uh, people that you, you know you can love, you grow with together, and you can have the same input with them as well. And that needs to be a two-way thing. So I think, I think from a freedom point of view, it, it certainly needs to be a, a, a level of confidence uh, and a level of trust and a, and a heap of love between, between people. 
guys, if you like. Yeah. I mean, me and Kev have been great friends for a long time, and um, you know, Kev's one of, the, one of the, my best friends in my entire life. If that's what you know, you can still say as a man. You, cl- uh, you clearly B- didn't know. BFF. Am yeah. I a BFF, bro? It's something like that. Okay. Obviously, you're Is that on record. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah it's, it's recorded. <laughs> um, yeah, but you clearly don't know Kev because you know it's you true. lost earlier. It's true. So. Kev obviously knows me better. Than yeah, I know Kev's him. more into you than you are to him. That's yeah, true. that's true. Yeah, maybe we need to talk about that. Yeah, the... <laughs> get free, mate. <laughs> um, but we, you know, you, you've changed. I've changed an incredible amount over a, a period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, how has interaction with people around you led you to where you are today? Yeah, um, I guess, um, you know, uh, talking about a comparison, you know, because in, in especially in a friendship group, because um, our, well, our friends allows uh, us, well, especially our friendship group, she allows us to be ourselves, you know, you know, we, we're not trying to put any pressure on another person to be someone that they're not really. And, um, and I think talking about finding freedom, um, if you ever find yourself in a group where, you know, you're trying, they're trying to change who you are, that you feel like you're not, you know, get out of that group, mm. honestly. Because my experience is that friends call out the best out of you. Yeah. That, you, know, that, you know, they challenge you, but they also give you encouragement, you know. Because sometimes, like say, people are so good at criticising other people, but when they actually need an arm around the shoulders, it's like, I don't want to be there. But from my experience in, you know, with my friends is that, you know, there are moments where, you know, there's been some sharp disagreements, but, <laughs> but there's also been moments where we've laughed together, we've cried together, you know what I mean? And, it, and I think that's, in terms of finding freedom, I think, you know, that's where we need to be as men, really, where we can be, like you say, vulnerable in, in a good place and just be open to and not ignore our emotions, I guess, so, yeah. I think this is where people get that phrase wrong of saying, you know, God wants to, to change you. See, God doesn't want to change you into to Phil Pye or to Christian Thorpe. Mm. He, he doesn't want to change the church into a robot. God created you to be diverse, and that's actually where unity is strong in diversity. Mm, yeah. God wants to change you back into who he made you to be. Mm. That's what he wants to do. He wants to show you how great you can be yeah. mm. because this world we live in taints you it taints your personality yeah. um experiences stuff we've been through and god wants to strip that away and say hey i made you amazing mm. and i want to turn you back into who i called you to be and that's what we're talking about when we talk about change you know kev's not trying to be someone else he wants to be him but he wants to be the the him who god made him to be People have, have used the analogy of the church saying it's like a sinking ship, so women and children first. So uh, uh, no men uh, and lots of women and children. And, and like we said, we, we love women and children and we love our men as well. But the ne- we know that there needs to be a presence of men, women and children in the church, don't yeah, we? Yeah? We're blessed in arena that that is not the case, that we've got an amazing contingent of men, women and children. But, um, Phil, why do you think that is? Why do you think that's been the case? Um, how do we combat that? And I guess, what is the role of men in church? Yeah, I mean, you, you know, huge question. And, you know, obviously people have written uh, uh, numbers of books on it um, in terms of uh, uh, the whole challenge of, of, uh, of, of, of reaching men. Um, 
And it is true. I think David Pawson used the quote of the lifeboat, you know, women and children first. I have to say that one of the things that's always blessed me about Arena on my, on my journey here is that there's always been a, a very good representation of men as well. We've got a great mix in the church. Um, and, uh, and good men. Interestingly, when, when we were in Manchester, we had many women there that were single for all sorts of issues, but thank God for a good, good uh, cross-section of guys as well. So I think there's, 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 it, it's, a deep, it's a deep issue. Um, uh, I, think, I, think, uh, I think post-war, uh, so going back 70 years, I think that there was a lot of um, uh, um, disillusionment in men uh, regarding faith, um, so people had seen terrible things and, and couldn't equate that with a loving father. Uh, so I think that was a generation that got uh, lost a, a little. Uh, I, I think um, that men have bought into the, uh, if I can use the word carefully, the lie that uh, Christianity is not for them. In other words, the picture has been that it's for, it's, it's for, for women and kids. And if you keep sowing that and keep sowing that, it starts to produce fruit. So big barriers have been created. Uh, and I have to say, there's, there's something very, uh, that, you know, we, we really need to pray about in terms of that. Um, so I think there's a number of issues, um, um, you know, that, that, that somehow that uh, Christianity uh, uh, diminishes the masculinity of men. Um, and it's meant to do the very opposite. Yeah. Um, so I think we've just got to keep facing up to the challenge that is real, uh, but keep being a real church in terms of um, not doing it in a... Uh, obviously, today we're concentrating in a particular way, but not doing it in a, um, um, uh, an unreal way, but seeking to make culture, atmosphere, welcome of church, something that engages yeah. blokes. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Yeah. That, did you notice how I just gave that one to Phil? I could ask him these really <laughs> complex questions. Where everyone else gets can a line. I, <laughs> can I add something? Phil had like three questions in one. That can I add great. something to that? Yeah, of course you can. I think, you know, from my experience, you know, when, when you really drive it down, because we, we worship a God who, who became a man, and when you look at Jesus, um, people mistake his gentleness for weakness, you know, and that's why a lot of men don't really resonate with that because they think, well, if I'm going to be a man, I need to be, like, the strongest. You know, I need to be, uh, well, basically over above every, everybody else. But actually, Jesus um, created a new way. You know, he treated women equally. Yeah. You know, he, um, he loved unconditionally. Like, he didn't judge people by what they did. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, we're talking about he was speaking to tax collectors, prostitutes, and the rest and treated them like as if they were they were the most important person in the room and I think to a lot of you know I I can only say for myself like for me like as a man like that takes a lot of you know Mm. yeah it it takes a lot of strength to do that because we live in a society where it's me first you know like it's got to be me first but actually Jesus uh, set a a new way that he thought about other people first you know, and I think that's why a lot of guys find it hard to resonate with Jesus because the the, the picture that society uh, painted with what a guy should look like is so different to what Jesus is, and yeah. and that's why right. there's a disconnect there. Great. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Great. I think uh, we we spoke last week about uh, integrity, living with integrity, and um, I say to to our youth guys that 
I can't anymore, you know, I'm 29, I, I can't invite a 12-year-old to, you know, to church or, or to youth. That would be weird. <laughs> um, but, you know, a 12-year-old can invite a 12-year-old to church. And I believe that as we live in, with integrity as men, that we'll reach men. I believe that as we be um, the people Jesus called to be in our workplaces, um, in our social settings, in our football teams, in the pubs, wherever we go, that um, men will be drawn because they'll see something different and they'll see a different way. They'll see the Jesus way. Mm. Um, and that's what we're called to be as men. Yeah. And you know, men, that's our challenge today. Yeah. You know, your, your wife can't do that. Your son or daughter can't do that. A Christian can't reach the person in your workplace. You can do that, though. Mm. And that's what we're called to do as men in this world today. Um, Tim, loads of people sat here today. Um, there might be you know, men here who maybe haven't stepped into faith for some of the reasons we've discussed. Uh, there might be people who um, maybe aren't sure how to come to God as a loving father. What advice would you give someone today? Um, they just need some encouragement. They just need a push forward in the faith as a, as a man. Well, that's a good one. Um, I, I relate that mainly to, to work, if you like, because in our workplace, it's all guys. We're all from a, a contracting background, which is all, you know, building, but we're electricians. Um, so to try and to get them, that's my battlefield, or main battlefield, and it's a daily thing because we, we I'm, well, I'm blessed enough to have the conversation regularly and it is not almost daily, you know, you lot. I get called you lot because that's what Christians are. You lot believe this and you lot do this. So you're always having to fight with an answer. But you, you get a lot of stuff like, um, you know, coming into, you know, to, going back to getting guys into church, you know, and you sing about love and that lovely father and I love you and all this sort of stuff. And it sounds a little bit namby-pamby to a guy who wants to be the, the big strong fella. But well, the Bible has a, a verse in, in Deuteronomy which kind of masculines it out, and it says, be strong, you know, be strong, and courageous, because guys like to, to be courageous, do not be afraid, because we're never afraid, are we, Kev, are you afraid, do not be afraid or terrified, <laughs> are you really afraid of cats? Yeah, oh, I thought that was just a comedy thing. It would have been great to get one up here. Genuine. It would be. Please don't. Are you some... questioning my integrity in the words I say, Tim? Uh, no, for clarity, I wasn't. I wasn't. <laughs> but here's a cat. <laughs> Someone bringing up that would be brilliant. That would be brilliant. It says, "For the Lord your God goes with you, and He will never leave you, nor forsake you." Now, in in trying to encourage that into guys, you, you need to find your own way, don't you? You need to find your own way of communicating with, with different people, particularly us fellas between each other. And, and that's the hard bit because we always have these walls up. Us guys, we put walls up. We'll do it ourselves. We're big enough. We're strong enough. We'll, we'll take care. But, but allowing God to just move in a situation. Allowing God just to, to knock away, even if it's just bit by bit. Sometimes it can take the wall down and smash it down like we, sing, uh, we sung earlier in the song about tearing walls down. But sometimes it needs to be a, just a little hammer at the bottom or at the top or wherever it is just to allow God to speak into the heart of those. And, and if nothing is impossible, Kev said it earlier, nothing is impossible. God can do all things, you know? And I think that's the amazing thing, our hope that we have in our, in, in our, in our lives when we go forward into, into witnessing, as we call it, or into sharing God with somebody, is that we know that he's with us. And through him, anything is possible. Yeah. Regardless of how mean, how big, how strong, how many tattoos, how many, whatever it is this guy in front of you look like, 
God can do anything. And I've seen it before where people have melted, realizing the grace of God in their lives, realizing what he's done for them. You know, Jesus didn't do that just for a select few. He didn't do it just for the women and children. He did it for everybody. You know, there's everybody and nobody, nobody is unable to receive that free ticket, that free gift. But God can do all things. I love that. Is there anything else anyone feels they want to share just before we, we close? Just, just simply to say that the, the whole purpose of this morning and when we were praying earlier is to, is to send uh, every man uh, out of this uh, service this morning and every woman and child also with hope. Yeah. Um, um, uh, because you've, you've heard some of the challenges and we, we obviously could be here a long time talking about many other things. Um, but the... Uh, the, uh, the sobering statistic is that the biggest killer for men under 45 in our country is suicide. Mm. And uh, so this morning, guys, however dark it seemed yeah. Yeah. or seems, as Tim's reminded us, in, in the good news of Jesus, there is absolutely yeah. yes. hope. Yeah. Uh, hope for a future. Hope for you to be a great dad. Hope for you to be a father. And uh, just gather the juices of the service this morning, the worship the songs, the fun, the sharing, and uh, living the hope of God. Yeah. Let's give these guys a round of applause. <laughs> Let's just have um, John 8 back up again if we could. That'd be great. Those words of Jesus. Let's end on that. And as we know, look, I'll just quote him. And Jesus, there we go, Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave is no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. And as Phil has alluded to there, there are things, whether you're a man, whether you're a, a woman this morning, there are things in your life that you know you need freedom from. And this is the offer of Jesus. He takes your rubbish and he replaces it with his greatness and his goodness. And uh, all he wants from you is this, just to come and say sorry. Say, hey, God, I've tried to do it on my own and I accept what you have done for me. There's people all over this place, different circumstances, different situations. I just wanted to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a second. You're not praying, you're just giving people the space.